0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak.
2: You never listen!
1: It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. This is episode 217, brought to you by the Five Folk SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K-Ben. 33-26. Never felt so good in a loss. I mean, this was an exciting one. How you doing, brother?
2: Mm -hmm. 34-29 would have felt better, but I was close. (laughs) Fun? yeah good up out of my seat man when i thought he had thrown that third and 18 touchdown to goddard oh. there at the end oh baby i was i was i was fully i was ready to full send on a lot of takes <laughs> let's go, let's go playoffs let's go quarterback of the future i was ready to. Go. and obviously that's 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 a joke it, it takes a lot more than that but for the team to go down 16 to nothing like they did making the small mistakes as they did both hurts oriented mistakes like the safety and for non hurts oriented mistakes like the blocked punt to see that and then to come back with a 20 point second quarter get keep the game within reach and you know obviously that that third quarter the the scoring slowed but really stay in striking distance of this thing all the way to the end was awesome. Yeah. That was that was like, you know, it's the middle of December. This team had an extremely disappointing season and they're still still playing hard, both for Doug Peterson and for Jalen Hurts. That's awesome to see. Yeah,
1: and I think what fans wanted to see was this offense be exciting again. And I think that's exactly what it was. I think the last two out of out of out of your three biggest uh games for EPA in terms of like offensive output, expected points added, two of their best three games this year have come with Jalen Hurts. At the helm, which looks pretty damning okay. for Carson Wentz. So we're going to get into the Carson Wentz of it all here later in the show. Is there a report earlier today? I'm sure you've all seen, but we'll get into that Adam Schefter report concerning the uh, the, the trade speculation, I guess you would say, surrounding Carson Wentz. But let's talk about some some good times in this one. And we'll actually, let, let's start with the playoff implications surrounding this one because the Eagles could have uh, controlled their own destiny, quote unquote, if they had won three straight games. They would have been in. But now, with this loss, they need a couple of things to happen, and it starts tonight, right, Ben?
2: Yeah. So, right now, if you're looking at your NFC East standings, Washington football team remains on top six and eight uh, after a loss today to Seattle. If the Giants win against the Browns tonight, Sunday Night Football at five and eight, they'll become six and eight, and they have the tiebreaker over Washington because it's the only team that Daniel Jones can beat. Uh, and so, they would have the tiebreaker. In the event that the Giants lose, Then the Eagles are still very much within striking distance of this thing. Uh, uh, Washington plays Carolina in the Ron Rivera Bowl next week. Uh, Washington loses that game. Then as long as the Eagles also win against uh, the Cowboys in week 16, you've got a week 17 showdown for the division. So again, if it's a Giants loss to the Browns, and I think also if the Giants Giants have the Browns and then Baltimore— If they beat the Browns, but then lose to Baltimore, it's the same thing, right? So they need one loss over their next two. Mm. Um, But if the Giants uh, lose tonight to the Browns, Washington against Carolina is the critical game. If they lose that game then the week 17 game for the Eagles is a uh, win in your in game. If the Giants win the next two, uh, then I believe they pretty much have the division locked up if they beat both Cleveland and Baltimore. But they'd have to beat Dallas as well. And then they'd be good. So if you're Philadelphia, you're a Cleveland fan tonight, and you're a Carolina fan next week. Uh, in, and Washington, Carolina is like, I don't know. The, that line is going to be interesting. It's a home game for Washington. I don't know if Alex Smith's going to be available, which means maybe Dwayne Haskins again. It's going to be like Washington is like a, I would say, like a two and a half to three and a half minute favorite. It's going to be a weird one. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's going to be an agonizing game to watch if you're an Eagles fan.
1: This division is so stupid. Okay, let's get into the main storyline uh, of this game. Obviously, it's Jalen Hurts, 24 for 44, uh, 338 yards passing. That's the second most yards for a single game from an Eagles quarterback this year, Uh, the most since week seven against the Giants when Carson Wentz had a little bit more than that. Hurts also added uh, 11 carries, 63 yards, and had four total touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground. And it was a rough start for Hertz, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was real rough. He had the real hot throw early that should have been an interception. And then, of course, the intentional grounding in the end zone when he had a free unblocked blitzer coming at him. Bad decision there. But after that, I mean, he, he had a driver. He just ripped like three straight, really impressive throws. And he kind of continued that throughout the game. You know, not everything was beautiful from him, but he made enough things happen, did enough with his legs. And kept this game interesting, and this offense was fun to watch, man.
2: It was, and right the the okay the early start to the game, you know, first road game, right? Settling in a little bit, yeah. You know, uh, uh you obviously you end up the the fumble is great, but you end up pinned at your own eight to start that thing off. Uh, that high throw to Ward, that nearly interceptable throw. High throws didn't go away. Uh, uh Hertz missed high pretty frequently yeah. in, in this one, which you know, Wentz missed high a lot when Wentz was the starter. Uh, Kyler Murray was missing high during this game but so so it hurts i don't think was as accurate short game intermediate game as he had been against the saints with that said they pushed the ball downfield a lot more mm. he was throwing balls more than 10 yards beyond the line, beyond the line of scrimmage this was a very very I, that's I, I don't know if i want to i was gonna say this is a very very collegey offense sort of an approach because it was like screen quick game screen mm. Uh, Speed out Nine ball You know what I mean And it's like the only way That we've got to throw the ball Down the field Is when we know We have single high We're going to take The one on one matchup And see what we get out of it And obviously for the Eagles It was Hey Patrick Peterson Has been committing A lot of penalties this year Uh, (laughs) Let's have Alshon Jeffrey Push him And then have Patrick Peterson Push him back And then get a flag On Patrick Peterson Those
1: calls were were so weak The Eagles receivers Were getting squeezed Off the red line So much And they were definitely The the beneficiaries Of some uh, Generous calls It was
2: funny Because like with Alshon Alshon got like like I think three of the calls, right? Alshon's a big dude. He's a, he's a veteran, savvy. He knows how to like play with physicality. He knows whatever, so on and so forth. One for Rager. Pat and Pete had bullied Rager like three yeah. times, and then finally the refs like, "That's enough." Like yeah. he's that. This is sad. Yeah, that, that And it was a penalty. I mean, like none of them were, were super egregious. Uh, the throws looked looked pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. On a lot of them. I say that that's a very college offense. It is a very Big 12 E offense, right? In college, remember, the hashes are further apart than they are in, in the NFL. And so what you'll find with a lot of quarterbacks in the Big 12, especially quarterbacks who aren't necessarily, you know, considered like top-tier processors or even top-tier arms, uh, is that they'll work Spacing concepts to the field side, right? They'll work three man concepts to the field side. They'll throw screens over there, right? They'll throw slants and they'll throw speed outs and whatever. But you don't have, like, the hash is so far away from the sideline, those throws are very long distance. And so then they'll come to that backside X receiver on the near side to the boundary uh, and they'll throw that down the field on the nine ball right because right. a lot of times your, your quarterbacks don't have the best arm that's very much how the eagles were conceiving of their offense right it was we we're, we're gonna have this they run they ran sail eighteen thousand times yeah. right so that corner route that 10 12 yard corner out route breaking to the sideline they just hurts throws that thing with anticipation with placement very very nicely that's that he's very very comfortable with that outbreaking throw which is good he doesn't have the strongest arm but he knows how to time it right. and get it out there and so it works um and then they had that nine ball they don't let him throw anything still you know intermediate middle of the field right like that on that oh that that first throw on the the final drive you know you get crosses from earths and goddard and he sails that thing five yards over like when you're missing high short well then guess who's waiting? intermediate safeties, right you know like yep. their guys in there for that um so they i they continue to have kid gloves on the offense you know they weren't as rollout heavy um but i, I think that that they still don't. They don't want to give him empty and give him, you know, prick a side of the formation. Right. You know, read this. Right. They, they they still don't really want him to make a ton of pre snap decisions. But I don't like I, at some point A you got to do it to see what you can and B he's delivering with his arm. He's throwing the football well. So so there's obviously there's a big chasm to to step over from throwing the football well to knowing where to throw the football to. You know what I mean? I think that they still evidently don't want him processing stuff post snap. But when he's throwing the ball as well as he is, eventually you're going to have to give him more and more of the passing game and trust him to make accurate throws, even if it's into coverage, uh, which you know he's clearly doing. He, like, tight windows, he's not afraid. Mm-hmm. Up against the sideline, up against the end line, he's not afraid. Like He's throwing accurate football right now, and that's a very big deal.
1: I like the way he created with Greg Ward, too. Greg Ward and Jalen Hurts finding each other for the uh, short yeah. touchdown. And that
2: QB connection, baby. Yeah.
1: On fourth and three, Hurts uh, anticipated the next move from Ward uh, in the trust paid off there. And then the, the third and goal, uh, or what was it, the third and goal from the five on the late first half touchdown, Hertz put that one in a beautiful spot, allows Greg Ward, who, who shows some real nice body control there to tap his feet inbounds. You you noted on the timeline, and I agree that Hertz was a tad bit late to the throw, but where he put it was in the perfect spot to allow to, uh, Ward to adjust to it and get his feet in. So there were definitely some high points there. L- looking at the uh, some of the wide right receivers, because we're going to talk about this quarterback thing as we kind of go through. We got to talk about the Wednesday thing, but uh, Quez Watkins. Right? 32-yard touchdown on hey, third and Gleds. 20. Uh, uh, I mean, of course, the Eagles found themselves in third and 20 after three really nice throws that I mentioned before from Hertz on that drive. But great job by, by Quez there seeing where the pursuit was coming from and what was going on with the Goddard block. He spins out of there, takes it to the house. One of the better after-the-catch efforts from an Eagles receiver like all year. Uh, I did enjoy the one part because we mentioned this last week on the podcast, and this is a continuation of our discussion about the nine balls and how the receivers aren't really great at running them. How about Jalen Rager and Doug Peterson having a moment that confirmed what we saw about Rager last week?
2: Man,
1: in the, Peterson,
2: and then also there was a there was a I think it was Justin Peel, the tight ends coach, yeah, it was yelling he was like at a, him. Yeah, it was like, "Yo, idiot! Like, just run, just yeah. run. You're fast, run!" Like, and that's the thing with Rager is like, as disappointed as you are in his rookie year performance it's like i i'm personally of the opinion it's not like he looks slow it's not like right. he looks stiff right he it, it, it's it, obviously like, he's got to learn how to get off press that's tough but like he got it got off press and you just turn your eyes like fu- not like a yard too early like five yards too early like just stupid easy stuff keep your head down you're gonna be fine man
1: yep so that was a fun one saying basically don't look back So quick, just keep running, brother. So, Rager Rager will uh, continue to work on that, hopefully, and get better. What are the thoughts you have on the offense that aren't necessarily Jalen Hurts related? How do you think the offensive line held up? I know there was the one sack with Matt Pryor. Like, what planet are you on with Hassan Reddick coming around the edge? But Hurts did take six sacks in this game. Some of them on him, some of them on the offensive Mm -hmm. line. What'd you see there?
2: Pocket presence versus pocket escapability, Mm -hmm. right? Hurts is really good at getting outside of the pocket. However. Hertz is also not great at managing the tight areas of the pocket, buying himself the extra half second, right? And so you see, like, on the second Dennis Gardeck sack, right? Gardeck's a B-gap rusher. He's coming inside Jordan Mailata. You can escape out of the back of the pocket. You know, that's where you got to go in the situation, and he wants to be able to step up and keep his eyes downfield. That decision is good. I like the fact that he's trying to do that. You got to be able to balance out what you're doing. You know what I mean? Uh, I do I do get the experience a little bit from Hertz at times that, like, the coaching staff tells him on the sideline, like, you— do this and her's like all right and then he goes over there and he does it even when like it's not the best choice right Like he barely pulled the ball on zone reads on the first right. half and then he came out in halftime and pulled it on two like right away and neither one was like an objectively bad decision but you do get the sense a little bit that like sometimes the coaching staff's like you should try x and he's like i'm gonna do x no matter what uh which is okay like you know i mean it's not a problem like that's how you're gonna have to grow you could try try to stay in the pocket hang around for an extra second try to pull the ball in zone reads see what you like see what you don't come back next week you know what i mean that's 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 it's like putting rager on the vertical routes right like rager clearly is not a good nine ball outside the number receiver right now but they keep making him do it why because the best way to learn how to get off press coverage is to face press coverage you'd be like hey you need to get off this you're very fast you're very quick please go do it mm. you know what i mean uh and so uh to, to me like the six sacks I would be surprised if he took that many in other games. I don't think the Eagles want to be as pass heavy. I don't think they're going to be in as early of deficits in other games. They're going to be able to stay a little bit run heavy, or so on and so forth. But it goes back down to the fact that that hurts doesn't want to, you know, be buying time in the pocket. He either wants to hang in there. He's a tough guy. He's a strong guy and make a tough throw and take a hit, or he wants to escape. You know what I mean? And there's, that's kind of a, a, an if then black or white proposition as opposed to, and that, that, that was similar to Wentz, right? Wentz had the same same phenomenon. Right. But as opposed to a more veteran quarterback who understands how to create space in the tight areas of the pocket and then at times break it when necessary.
1: Let's keep it with the quarterback position then since the Eagles simply cannot have one losing season without being the most dramatic team on planet Earth. There's a couple of pieces of news that we have yet to cover here at BGN. The first one being that John Dorsey is acting as a consultant and has been for the past few months for the Eagles, the former Chiefs uh, Browns GM of course, and then the other one that got air dropped into our lives today was that Carson Wentz reportedly would seek a trade if the Eagles plan on continuing to start Jalen Hurts at quarterback. This report came on Sunday morning from Adam Schefter, and look, no player that thinks that he's a starter wants to be a backup, so that's really not shocking. But it is interesting that this report, which is likely spurred on by Wentz's representation as Jimmy Kemsky pointed out on the timeline, that it drops on game day as the Eagles prepare for the Cardinals. The gripes aside from that, let's set the table for this discussion with some financial realities for the Eagles. This quote from Adam Schefter's article, quote, But if the Eagles ultimately decide to move on from whence, they must make that decision by the second day of the 2021 league year, sometime in mid-March, because on the third day of the league year, his $22 million base salary for 2022 becomes fully guaranteed – And his 2021 roster bonus of $10 million is paid out. End quote. That's big time important because look how this plays out from a cap perspective. If Wentz is traded before the third day of the new league year, the dead money is roughly 34 mil with a cap savings of just under a mil. If he's traded after that and his roster bonus is activated, it's roughly 44 mil in dead cap. And instead of saving that pocket change, it cost them $9 million against the cap in whole. Ben, I got to tell you. With the way that things have soured, with how b- a bad Wentz has been this year, what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts right now, I'm leaning towards getting what you can for the guy and ensuring that you've got the cap space to build in 2022 because you need to rebuild this roster and gut it to a degree. With a full season of Hurts in 2021, you'll have a better idea if he's potentially the guy or not, and you would know how to approach that off season from a roster-building perspective, and you also know – which offense you are building is it a hurts offense or is it a Wentz offense and that's like let's let's be real and i've said this multiple times it it feels like the eagles were going to be screwed until 2023 has been what i've been saying but this trade would represent a a ripping off of the band-aid would accelerate their ability to start over which is what this team needs where do you fall on this because before i was like "Mm, no you kind of got to stick with them Mm -hmm. but if you look at it man like you kind of want to rip that Band-Aid off sometimes.
2: Okay, so one, Carson Wentz is not happy he got benched.
1: Duh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Two, if this is representation, right? If this is, uh, who's there? He's not with Rep. 1 anymore. Right. He's with somebody else now. But anyway, if this is representation, is he with CAA? That sounds. I don't right. remember. If this is representation being like, we need to make it clear to... Other fan bases or other teams, excuse me,
3: mm-hmm.
2: other uh, front offices that this guy wants out. Was that not did did what was this the best way to do it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Firstly, duh. Like, that's also like, I don't, right. I, don't, Wentz does not want to be a backup, right? <laughs> I mean, and you can say, like, oh, he doesn't want to sit around and just collect a check while he's doing nothing. And, like, sure, but you, I don't think communicating that to other teams would have been difficult for the reps, right? right? I didn't think this was necessary. That, there's, I, there's I saw a lot ton
1: of, of smoke around that fire right now, anyway.
2: Right. I, right. I saw a ton of, like, man, representation. This is the wrong way to go about sending this message. And it's like, I 100% agree. Why do you need to feel that? You, why do you feel like you need to send the message so strongly? All anybody has talked about in the media has been like, all right, can they trade Wentz? Right, because obviously, if they could, they'd do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it would be good for the team. Now we've we, the the what could they get back for Wentz? Who are they gonna who are they gonna get? What do they have to give? So on and so forth. That whole conversation. If you have the ability to get the trade off before the the ten million roster ten million dollar roster bonus kicks in, which is on the third year third day of the new league year, mm-hmm. if you have the ability to get that trade done, and so you're 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 not like you're paying him the same amount of money to be off the team as you would to be on the team which is objectively bad but you're not killing extra money to get rid of him right if you can do that then yes you're gonna try to the problem is and this is what we go back to is the eagles have no leverage Mm. and 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 the only way that they get more wiggle room is if this report and this vocalization from Wentz's camp indicates that Wentz would be willing to restructure his deal to get out of Philadelphia, which brings us back to Nick Foles, where Nick Foles had guaranteed money, guaranteed money yes. from the Jaguars that he gave back
1: That's the dream to
2: get out of Jacksonville, which is wildly unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 I make that statement because everybody and their mother two weeks ago said, we'll just do the Foles deal. And I was like, no, you can't just do the Foles deal. It's wildly unprecedented. And now fast forward two weeks and it's like, shoot, maybe Carson Wentz is actually willing to give some money back. If it means he can go start somewhere else. Right. Which is nuts. It's crazy. It's it's not what typically happens. Sure. You could argue it's like becoming more of a thing. Like Brandon cooks kind of similarly did that when he went from the Rams to Houston. So I I acknowledge that it's becoming more in vogue, but it's still bananas. It's still, it's still, I have millions of dollars that are mine and I'm going to give them back to you so that I can go somewhere else. Like that is crazy. Mm. It is possible. (laughs) And, and, and I suppose you could construe this, which we're assuming came from Wentz's camp to Schefter, Rappaport, Schefter, Schefter, Schefter. As their camp making a very vocal point to say that Wentz wants to be a starter so bad that everybody... He is open for business to talk about his deal with the Eagles and with you, and so like everybody likes to say, like, oh, if Wentz gets traded to a new team, he's basically only on a two-year, fifty million dollar deal, forty-seven or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, that still sucks. That's still over twenty million per year for a team to bring in the guy who just played in twenty twenty, who was not good at all, mm. and bring him in to to your team. unless it's a complete roster a salary dump, that's a that's a bad deal. Wentz on twenty four million is probably a bad deal now team Like the Jets or the Colts might take that on because they have a ton say. of space.
1: I was just gonna say, right? and, the, and the Jets just screwed their number one uh, draft pick status today. Right,
2: exactly. <laughs> so if you're the if you're the Jets or the Colts, if you're the Colts and you want to bring on uh, you know Philip Rivers back for another twenty five million, and then Jacoby Brissett, who you pay Jacoby Brissett twenty million dollars, you're to throw hail marys and QB sneak for you, which is the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. he wants that that guy for Philip Rivers? Guess what? Carson Wentz is 6'5", 225. two twenty five. He's yeah, got sixty five yards on that arm, baby. Let's upgrade go. Upgrade. You pay upgrade. him twenty five million to take that job, no problem. <laughs> Hanging out with Frank. Reich doing his good Christian man thing, as Daryl Johnson told us, is the most important thing for Carson Wentz in the locker room. So <laughs> so like th- like that, that. this is where the onion is ridiculous, right? The amount of layers to this thing are bananas. Yeah. This is a message to the league that Wentz trade market will be active this offseason. Mm-hmm. Did it need to be this loud? Did it need to be this rude, a little, little pissy, if I may say so? Probably not. But you know, that that's that's probably a calculated move.
1: Are you open to it? With what you've seen from Jalen Hurts, are you are you open to it? Let's say like the rest of the season just kind of plays out like this with Hurts, with the same strengths and weaknesses that we've seen, where are you at mentally with this? <sighs> because I feel like I really feel like they gotta pull the band-aid off, as I said. Because otherwise you're screwed in 2022. And I want that 81 mil or whatever it is projected after the fact, after the trade for 2022. Mm-hmm. Like I think Wentz is fixable, but to what degree is he fixable, and what is that worth? Because I think Wentz is fixable to get back to 2018 Wentz, 2019 Wentz, 2017 Wentz, a walking through that door, and that's what they're paying for him. That's that. That's what they're paying right now. It's tough. I'm not trying to be hot it, it, take either, but like, like right. legitimately. Any,
2: okay, so here's where we start. Anytime the phone rings, you got to pick it up.
1: Correct. Because it's a yes. dumb
2: league. Kevin Clark of the ringer, as has said multiple times that like people to whom he speaks in the league are still like, extremely high on Wentz. Right. Now is that blowing smoke? Cause it's consequence Maybe, you know, is that just like trying to create that narrative? So somebody else overpays perhaps, but all it takes is one extremely overconfident Frank Reich and acquiescing Chris Ballard for you to maybe get some significant picks back right. for Wentz. And if that's the case, trigger. Yeah. It's no question. It, that that is less about hurts than it is about the reality of of whence your coaching staff and where you've been fair right I've, I've said this previously i think just on basis of like freshness and new opportunities and new visions and new ideas i am more confident in, in another coaching staff assuming it's like good like they i not bring back jeff fisher i'm more confident in another coaching staff than i am in doug peterson's coaching staff to resuscitate Wentz, just because of the nature of the relationship and the dynamics that already exists, you know what I mean? Because I think to fix Wentz, you need Wentz to listen to you, and I think over the last few years we've discovered that Wentz does not listen to Peterson, Press, Taylor, and that coaching staff. Hmm. Right. So if you're keeping Doug, and you uh, uh, to me that doesn't mean Wentz has a good chance of, of getting better here, and I would I would in, be interested in any offer. I think the Eagles and Wentz think that they're going to get. will send you a two. And I don't think they're going to get it. Hmm. Could the Jets do it? Yes. Could the Colts do it? Yes. Could the Bears do it? Yes. Should they? Broncos. Should they? Will they? Like, it's a long walk from this could make sense to us to we're willing to make this risk and not play the quarterback free agent market and not draft a quarterback early, so on and so forth. There are ripples to making a move like this if you're the franchise acquiring this player. And so... It, it, is it possible it only takes one and the league is very stupid yes but i i think that they're going to expect a better market than they're going to get and and like the, that i think as people project this market you see people all over the place the next question is like would you use a deal where you have to send something like i'm sending a fourth round pick to give you Wentz and get a sixth round pick back so that way this money's off my books for 2022 that's the next question And I don't know if I'm that desperate, but I might be.
1: (laughs) We'll we'll see as we go through this process, if you start to uh, continue to lean that way. Okay. When we come back here on the Kiss and Solex show, we'll hit the defensive side up for the ball uh, in this game against the Cardinals that we totally stopped talking about. But again, like not our fault. This stuff dropped in the morning and we have to talk about it. And then we're also going to get to three words. One of those three words is Carson, transfer portal, question mark, (laughs) from Brandon Revels at B Revels. So there's a preview.
2: Right. To to that point, people are like, there was somebody who, who wrote an article, I can't remember who it was, that it was like uh, Carson Wentz could learn from how Jalen Hurts handled the Alabama situation when Tua took over. And it's mm. like, yeah, but Hurts also transferred to Oklahoma to start right. and to get better. And now he's here. Like, that's kind of like, you know, it is right. Like, yeah, Hurts was very gracious for, for 2017, 2018? 2018,
1: 2018.
2: Mm. Uh, but then he was gone because <laughs> he didn't we wanted to go start somewhere as Carson Wentz currently does.
1: Right. Exactly. All right. So when we come back. More talk about this uh, Eagles loss to the Cardinals. That's coming up next, right after this.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in
1: And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 217, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kiss here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball here because it was a pretty interesting uh, game with no Darius Slay, no Avante Maddox, no Roddy McLeod. The Eagles secondary consisted of Michael Jaquette, Kevin Kavon Jaquette. Seymour, excuse me, Kavon Seymour, Nikkel Roby Coleman in various configurations based on personnel. Then at safety, it was Marcus Epps. Jalen Mills. And it looked like uh, Kayvon Wallace was in there for some sub packages. And boy, did they have some issues getting to those aforementioned configurations early on, even expending a timeout on the first drive because the guys didn't know who was supposed to be on and who was supposed to be off. But hey, I mean, Michael Jaquette forced a fumble on DeAndre Hopkins on the opening drive recovered by Alex Singleton. Jaquette also had the uh, the sack, if I'm not mistaken, that turned into the fumble forced by Nikhil Roby Coleman. So an early yes, another did. early three words. Full Metal Jaquette, Shout out Andy M at torn underscore pictures for that one. Bed doesn't get that reference because I think that movie was made before he was born.
2: Wasn't even listening, to be frank.
1: <laughs> there was also uh, from the defensive side of the ball. Josh Sweat was was banged up. I'm looking forward to a, a, a injury report on that. Hopefully they'll get that in the uh, in the presser. Jalen Mills made a singular play which is a giant change from making exactly zero plays had a nice breakup throw over the middle to uh, Dan Arnold on third down fifth interception of the year for the Eagles and as they pointed out on the broadcast that was the second fewest in the league Marcus Epps comes up with that one on a horrible throw from Kyler Murray where I don't like his arm must have been hit or it slipped out or something because that thing did not look right and of course the game had the obligatory Derek Barnett personal foul giving DeAndre Hopkins a shot way too late. Very next play, they get got for a 42-yard pass to Max Williams. Jalen Mills missed the tackle on that one. Very next play after that uh, was the keep to Murray, and he makes Marcus Epps miss because this team still has tackling issues. Uh, That was just an abysmal drive, and that's when the game was down like 9 to nothing, if I'm not mistaken. But Ben... L- looking at the defensive side of the ball, what did you see? I thought it was promising from uh, from Jaquette. Uh, Kavon Seymour played inverted cover two correctly, just couldn't get uh, his, his hands well, on the yeah, ball or right. rip it so away like from even Hopkins. When,
2: right, even when it works correctly, yeah. you have an open post look and the corner has got to, with his back to the football, be able to make a play in the catch point. It's still like <laughs> not even the angles that you want in that
1: situation. Correct. <laughs> So that was that for the defense side of the ball, but it felt like it was either turnover or touchdown or score or whatever the case may be. What did, what did you think about Jim Schwartz's uh, planning this one and the execution from the defense?
2: Yeah, three punts for Arizona, which is fewer punts than you'd like to force. <laughs> uh, with that said, you get two fumbles, you get the interception, and you get a turnover on downs. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it, they were able to get those extremely high leverage plays. This was one of the most impactful performances from the eagles defense in terms of turnovers right Uh, the eagles obviously got away with putting a couple balls on the ground on offense themselves uh didn't have any one of those picked up but arizona with 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 turnovers on three of their drives then a turnover on downs on another drive giving the eagles short fields giving the uh balancing out time of possession the sort of stuff that that not only gives you momentum but we talk about complementary football and we talk about how you know the Eagles weren't dealing with the long fields with which the, they often dealt with under Carson Wentz? Of course, Eagles special teams was not on page with the complimentary football aspect of today, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, right. So tremendous work. Very exciting that that the defense is able to get those turnovers. They weren't. Mm- like you know, fumbles are you are very much random. Fumbles yeah. are very much bouncy. You know what I mean? When a team gets two fumbles in one game, you don't think they're more likely to get two fumbles in the next game. They're still as likely to. You know what I mean? So it, it's it. Those were big time plays that you know the, the the Eagles were able to generate points off of. The Cardinals were also able to generate points off of their fumble because they got a safety, but that doesn't matter.
1: Right. I, um, I, I do think that like when Jim Schwartz talks about how many times they get a mitt on the ball, you know what I mean. I, I do think that coaching point is helpful for them, and they they've gotten their hands. In a lot of situation where the ball has has come out. So I know people don't want to give like Jim sports any kind of credit, but at least like they're getting coached up in that aspect, I guess. I don't know. Trying to find a positive spin to that, Ben, to why it's happening so much frequently right. when it wasn't before.
2: And listen, right. It, it, that's the thing is like if you've got fourth string and fifth string and sixth string corners going after the catch point and going after the ball carrier, right? Going going after the, the football in, in the grasp in the tackle. May i mean like listen those guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing acknowledging that their snap to snap coverage is likely not going to be right what you hoped it was going to be uh and so right you see that with a guy like michael jaquette who i think largely you would say like oh jaquette played well he got absolutely big boyed by you know uh Hopkins all over the field. Sometimes great plays by Hopkins. Other times, like Jaquette it's that touchdown catch. Right. I mean, it's just great. He's taking away the upfield shoulder. He's forcing <laughs> the back shoulder ball. He's playing to the catch point, and Hopkins is just there, one hand palming on the pylon. You just rookie comes over, you shrug and you say, "Buddy, like that's about as well as you're going to play that." You know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes it's DeAndre Hopkins. That's how that
1: goes. Right. You can't Line. play city so, hall, as they say. Yeah.
2: Right. I like Marcus Epps. Thought Marcus Epps played quite well. Uh, Marcus Epps hit. He ran around, which was nice to see. He was impactful from single high, which is you know that's cool. Hopkins Same Seymour yeah that. Seymour didn't really do much besides cuz they had Jacat on Hop, on Hopkins the whole game. Yeah. They like, you know, follow him and he was like all right fine. Yeah. Uh, and when he was when he was in the slot they left NRC on him. Uh, so he played well. Edwards played well. TJ Edwards at linebacker. I thought had a, had a fairly good game when he was on the field. And then Fletcher Cox was dominant mm-hmm. uh, before he he got a little bit banged up. Josh Sweat going down, by the way, sucks because yeah. he just was coming off that hot performance against the Saints. Uh, he didn't have the opportunity to play, but yeah, I mean, like w- as we talked about in the preview show, it was very unlikely that this secondary was going to be able to keep things down. You know, I was largely unimpressed by Kyler Murray's game, and he had like same sixty five percent completion percentage, three hundred passing yards, and three touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, four hundred, yeah, four hundred, yeah, <laughs> like that, that. Obviously, that that's tremendous for them. So. Uh, you know, it's, I didn't expect much better than 33 points. The turnovers were, were beneficial. Those are very helpful to your young quarterbacks. They continue to play with juice under Hertz, which, you know, forever you take that, it's however you take that.
1: It's nice to see
2: um but yeah it, i mean they, they got to get healthier even for the upcoming game against the cowboys you know with those receivers you don't want to be playing another shootout
1: i would agree with that okay let's go to uh three words and we can kind of talk about the rest of the talking points from this game as we kind of go through that bgn contributor uh seamus at seamus underscore clancy says hurts has it so i'm assuming you can uh, expect a very excited from the bleachers podcast this week talking about jalen hurts from seamus so stay tuned for that uh talking about the previous subject that we were talking about uh nicholas grievous Gravis, at uh, nick Gravis says kissed comma whence goodbye very clever uh fired dave Fip. actually let's talk about this from david tomei at d underscore tomei let's talk about some special teams because it was uh, a weird one uh blocked punt sets up an easy touchdown for the cardinals uh, phipps unit has been just like bad this year man like the returners yeah. are terrible they got to put jordan Milata back there he can get to the 20 it can happen at the very least jake elliott the punter by the way not a bad what was it the 35 yarder that he had wasn't wasn't terrible zach ertz the holder right on the extra point and shockingly it was lovato the long snapper that was the issue not ertz that kept it a tie game. Like I get wanting the safe one point, but it's not that safe when you have like the guy in there that probably hasn't held the kick since high school. So the special teams continue to be a problem. Anything else from uh, from that stand out to you? Because I know it's was a pretty just. If it's not disastrous for the Eagles on special teams, it's just so bland. Like they gotta they gotta do something. Rager hasn't been back there. Like he had the punt return the other week. You could put Miles Sanders back there. Just give us some give us some doggone juice and help us out here with some field position or at least some something exciting for the love of God.
2: Yeah, I've got a couple of, of uh QB controversy over. Sean Daly says that one, Jalen QB one from Molly Barsons. QB one spelt out phonetically from Nots Juventino. Uh, so we've got some people now confident in Jalen Hurts, I guess what, as a starter for the rest of the season? Definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put your uh, nose to the grindstone here, Mike, as it were. Uh confidence level in Jalen Hurts, one, no chance. Ten, you know, uh, next let's say 10 is next 10 years jalen hurts starting caliber quarterback in the nfl Ooh. where's your confidence level at right starting, now after two games
1: starting caliber quarterback and i'm assuming the higher the numbers go means what kind of well yeah quality. i said one yeah, is no yeah, chance yeah, yeah, and yeah.
2: 10 is like yeah he's got it for the next 10 years man
1: next 10 years
2: okay call 10 like you know I have no doubt.
1: Oh, I'm gonna go with like four, dude. Like I, yeah. I I'm not, I'm not as crazy yeah. hype as the rest of the fan base is. Like, That's but it. but I still see stuff there, right? Right,
2: exactly. Like Hertz played well. I thought Hertz yeah. threw the football accurately. I thought he largely made good decisions when throwing the ball. Didn't have the same game in the pocket or running as as he did against the Saints, but I thought he largely played well. Okay, 24 for 44, 338 yards, three passing touchdowns. His Passing touchdown moments remain unbelievably clutch, yeah. right? So he he had passing touchdowns today on third and 22, which was the Quez Watkins pass. Uh, and then he had the fourth and three throw to Greg Ward. Uh, and uh, when was the last one? It was he had a third passing touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it was the one at the end of the first half, uh, third and five from the five. So all those passing touchdowns have come on third and fourth down so far, which is in large part because the Eagles run him on first and second down, right? So they're not giving him like opportunities. But it's to say like that, that clutchness is awesome and a little bit scary. His passing heat maps remain extremely skewed outside of the hashes and outside of the numbers. Currently, the coaching staff that has him in the building does not want him throwing over the middle of the field that's when we talk about that college offense, that to me is very, very scary because it means they don't trust him making layered throws, making reads on zone droppers, right? Mm -hmm. Those are important throws over the middle of the field. They're dangerous, but they're important throws. When you look at guys like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, guys who are a little bit vertically challenged, uh, you see that they don't like to throw to those areas of the field because of those, some, some of those limitations, making those passing attempts. I think Kyler Murray, how he is right now, is a ceiling projection for Jalen hurts in the NFL. I think that game you just saw from Murray with some inexplicable misses right outside of the numbers and between the numbers mm-hmm. with some way too early checkdowns, with some with some effective scramble plays down the field. I think that's a largely a, a good ceiling projection for hurts. And I don't, I'm not sold right now. Murray is a top 10 quarterback in the league. You know what right. I mean? Like I, I don't, I people get very excited about Murray to me. He's a, he's, a little I don't, bit
1: questionable. I don't think he is. I think he has the potential to be. Obviously, right, he, that's yeah. remains to be seen, yeah.
2: Right, that's the thing. Is like Murray right now in year two is to me like the ceiling of Hurts across his career, that mm. caliber of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, obviously, Murray still has, uh, I think, room to get better, it, which is tricky because why can't Hurts also get better right. at that at which Murray got better, right? And th- there's a conversation there. All of this to say, I think you could walk into Hurts with your starting quarterback in 2021 and feel confident with that, mm-hmm. confident in that, comfortable with that. I think you could have him that entire season and you could be effective with him. You could put together a playoff offense for him. I'm not sure he's the sort of guy who you you're going to always love, always feel established and confident in as your starting quarterback on any given week for any given season. I think about where the Rams are with Jared Goff. The Rams just lost to the Jets. (laughs) It's well, yeah. And that scales. offense looks so good sometimes. And then sometimes it just dies. Mm-hmm. And their quarterback does not have the ability to save them, to, to pick them up from that. And and I'm worried about that with Hurts. But at the same time, like Hurts is so sticking clutch that, like, <laughs> you know, like, it, it's third and 18. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to throw a dot on Dallas Carter. He might catch this. You know what I mean? This is going to be awesome. But, you know, <laughs> so it, it's, very, it's very difficult. But I agree with four or five is right about where I am. I would categorize myself as, pleased, but still unconvinced mm-hmm. that Jalen Hurts is, is going to be a starting caliber quarterback in the league. Well, that's the crazy, clutch, Ben. You
1: yes. have a whole two-and-a-half-game sample size. How could you not know by now? I mean, and, it's,
2: uh, it's, and he's so clutch. Yeah. And he's so cool that, that and I would and never... We know, we know
1: that's not going to change. We know he's his right. mental toughness, his competitive toughness. We know that's not going to change. It's
2: in any one single game, if he's my starter, okay. Yes. But across the course of like four seasons... I don't know. That's where you're like, <laughs> I just don't know how much you're going to be able to do this to, yeah. to, to, to play this style of offense, to, to have some, you know, this, these areas of the field just cut off from you and you don't, but like, maybe they just need to let him throw there and let him figure it out. But maybe it's going to lead to interceptions. I don't know. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. But so I think that, right. For one game hurts is your quarterback. Cool. Like to finish off this season. Sick. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think I'm excited for that. I think he's going to beat Dallas I think He's going to beat Washington mm-hmm. for all like for 2021, 2022 and beyond. That's where I start looking at some of the guys at the top of this draft class, and I say to myself, "Man, why not?" Those are guys who could be really, I think, franchise changers, as opposed to to hurts. who I I don't consider to be that caliber of a player. Yeah. So it's, it's 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 tricky. So, um, yeah,
1: I still He's exciting. I mean, I'm still at the point where, as we talked about before, I'm okay with him enough, and I'm excited enough about him that I'm cool with giving him 2021. And then finding out. And then 2022 comes around, you actually have some cap space again. And you know if you have the quarterback or not. Hopefully. So I'm willing to I'm willing to see. I'm willing to find out. I'm willing to take the ride at this point and see if Hertz is in fact the guy. Right. Look, hopefully he is, for all of our sakes. Uh Ben, we got another three words here. I need a I need a judgment ruling on this one. All right. So is this three words? This is uh my whole life is thunder at take underscore it underscore sleazy. He says in a deeply selfish way, I know it sounds like it's already over <laughs> <start>. three words. <laughs> it sounds like it, but it, I swear I need a ruling on this. In a deeply selfish way, I wish Kist was bad at his job so that he wouldn't be leaving at season's end. But that would mean that I wouldn't be commenting on this post and that his work on BGN Radio wouldn't have been some of the best stuff I've ever heard. So to you, sir, hat is off. Uh, end quote. There's two more tweets after this, Ben. But three words or uh, or not. And by the way, just in case you hadn't heard yet, uh, I. I put it out on the last kiss and so show in the preview show but if you didn't hear that i did accept a role with sb nation as the okay, executive no, producer start
2: bragging now calm down whatever
1: for the team community podcast this is my last season with the eagles so this is the last one of the last kiss and soul- reaction shows that you are going to hear but i wanted to throw a quick note out there if you want to hear more about that we talked about it on the previous kiss and soul- mm-hmm. show ben any three words that uh that you want to hit up there
2: we need a new uh gag because there are so many parenthetical additions to three oh, words I feel like right. say it through a thing and they put something else in parentheses just a hunting at us reading it on and they've really figured out the uh, the code here um PFF, you, you under, stop at
1: the big blocks there you do
2: yeah PFF Gonzo at parth Vader eighty eighty four says Alshon equal Jerry
1: Jerry Bryce or Jerry from Parks and Rec
2: Jerry Jones <laughs> Jerry my uncle what? <laughs> I my don't goodness. yeah, but thank you, Jerry uh which he- somebody even. said alshon revenge tour it was drew peltzman at DePeltz 13 he said alshon revenge tour parentheses kissed you have been instrumental in my journey and discovering my passion for covering football (laughs) wishing you the best and i hope to join the btn family someday which is wholesome so i'm gonna read it that's exactly Um, right dude alshon got away with a
1: ridiculous opi by the way on that one
2: it's the hidden yardage (laughs) My three opis drawn two catches for 63 yards and an extra 50 yards in defensive pass interference yardage how about Zach Explosive Ertz, as I have always and often called him. Jeez. Two catches, 69 yards. Nice. Nice. Zero broken tackles, seven targets. Just a quality Zach Ertz day. <laughs> Just classic Ertz. Low catch percentage, very high yards per catch. If there's any Zach Ertz sort of game, it's that.
1: Are you trading Zach Ertz with yes. Carson Wentz to try to sweeten the deal?
2: Yeah. Well, you say, you, you go to, you tell the, uh, the Jets. Here's Wentz, here's Ertz. They're great together. They have awesome chemistry. They love each other. They've never hated each other at all during the 2020 season. Uh give us first round picks. And the Jets right. are like, "Yeah, I am Joe Douglas. I was there last year. I know this is true. Here we go." Eagles fans are positive that Joe Douglas is the dumbest person alive when you look <laughs> at some of the some of the trade packages they want to get to uh to New York. Um Amazing. So yeah, yeah, okay. Alshon Revenge of the three words.
1: We are not we're not doing any Hertz puns as uh Byronic Gyro pointed out. So mm-hmm. you can stop submitting those. I will not I will not read them. Unless they're especially clever. But, like, everyone's... Yeah, unless pe- I like them and right. I haven't thought of them. Because this is a dictatorship that's very important mm-hmm. to remember.
2: Carl Pol- Polnitz, at Carl Polnitz, says, Raise Hertz Frequency.
1: What does that even mean? I
2: don't know. I'm just reading ones I don't get right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which seems like most of them. So we might as well... Mm-hmm. All right. Let, let's, let's wrap this up. So the Eagles lose 33 26 but it doesn't feel like a loss it actually felt pretty good and they get to keep that sweet sweet draft slot uh positioning there they're still in the hunt for the nfc east somehow so we're going to talk about that throughout the week we're going to talk more about john dorsey throughout the week of course they're going to talk about that on bgn radio this week as well with jim kensky and brandon lee gowton may he forever reign uh but ben anything else to add and then say goodbye to the uh gentle gentle listeners
2: uh before i do corrections amendments uh the giants have to lose both games they can't just lose one uh and so the giants have cleveland tonight baltimore and dallas they need to lose two of those three games in order for the eagles playoff hopes to remain alive so to review i incorrectly said this in the top of the podcast uh the eagles need to beat both dallas and washington they need washington to lose to carolina next week and they need the giants to lose two of their remaining three including the browns game which has yet to be played for mike and i but I'm going to edit that
1: part out, and I'm going to have people coming at you on Twitter, and you're going to be like, I said it on the pod, and then you're like, no evidence of that. Yeah, it's because
2: you're a bad person. (laughs) Uh, With that said, thank you for listening through our early mistakes and enjoying the entire Kiss and Solex show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by the Eagles, as Mike said, lose to the Cardinals in a valiant effort from Jalen Hurts, everybody's favorite underdog. They face the Dallas Cowboys in Week 16, a game that will... Uh, they'll they'll have seen the Washington Carolina game already Uh, so that game will potentially be the first game of the Eagles end of season run or it will perhaps not matter at all but uh, we'll we'll be excited and we will prep you for that game here on the feed as we usually do if you enjoy the feed please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast he's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist and I have KSDI Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak that's S-O-L-A-K the Giants just failed on a fake punt against the Browns. So things are going well so far. Go Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly.
1: What? We all we got. We all we got.
2: We all we need. Oh, are you going to do it? Fly, no, I was, just, I was just trying to to take away as many of your lines as possible there at the end.
1: <laughs> this is my bit. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. You ever do that again, I'll ship you to Siberia.
0: Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people.